1: it's a wonderful life, and it's really based off John ten ten, which says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus saying, I have come that they may have life and life more abundantly. Now, I can honestly say the last two years, I've experienced that abundant life, a full life in Jesus. My life has spiraled upward. It's probably been the greatest two years of our life, me and my wife, Lori, and what We've experienced miraculous things, Experienced um, having our children, living in a beautiful um, miracle home. God has surely showed up over the last two years in our life. Um, and it's hard to think, it's crazy to think that we're almost going into 2023, almost three years removed from COVID and the madness of that. And many, 2020 was literally the year where we, we're, where we let some things go, um, Lori's job and faith, believing in God. I mean, she was set, you know, to, to have an, uh, an amazing career with the sheriff's department and um, God said, trust me, trust me, have faith. And then literally she quits and the world shuts down. Lockdowns, mass, you know, we can't gather and everyone's going crazy throughout, not only our country, but throughout the world. It was madness, division, strife, you guys remember, amongst family. And I remember in May of that year, May 31st, I was working. And um, for those that don't know, I work in uh, law enforcement and I was working in a uniform capacity at the time. And I remember that's when the George Floyd incident happened and the whole country erupted in riots. And I was working that day. And I remember getting a call to Target that our target in our area was getting looted. People ran in and broke the front windows, ran in and grabbed things. And I was heading that way um, to that call and we got there, it was too late. And then right after that, I responded to a shooting that wasn't too far. And I remember getting there, it was literally on the block of one of my cousin-in-law's house. And they came out and I I get there and I'm staring at this young man's lifeless body on the ground. As he was murdered, and I started thinking, man, the only hope of the world is in Jesus. This world is is in, in, you know, hurt, pain, strife, lost, broken. And during that time, we were still having our men's prayer, gathering. A lot of our connect groups were through Zoom at the time. And then we hit summertime, and we started doing empower nights on Wednesday nights, having you know, services out in the parking lot where no church was doing it. No church was doing it. And we got a lot of uh, slander for that, but it's what the world needed. It's what our city needed at the time. And that's why I feel like I've talked to a lot of different people about Wednesday nights. They they feel like, you know, Wednesday nights are just different. There's just a, a different atmosphere, a different hunger on Wednesday nights. And I truly believe it is because of that time where we opened up and said, hey, this is our first service. It's on Wednesday night. It's an empower night. Come. That's why I feel that, that there's something different happening right now, right here. And then in August, is, it, during that year is when Pastor Mike asked us to lead the youth. And, and you guys know the story where Lori was about to have Luke. And um, there was a lot going. There was a lot of reasons we could have said no. But I said, God, I trust you in this. I know that this is for us. I know this is what you want us to do and we went right into it. And the blessings of God came through that. But that's really because we had courageous leadership from Pastor Juergen and Leanne, Pastor Mike and Katie who were willing to, to trust in us and believe in what God was doing and was going to do through this church. It takes courage. It takes courage to be able to stand despite whatever anyone will say. You lose relationships. See, that's the thing is when you follow Jesus and you count the cost of what it is, it's going to require sacrifice. It's going to require your money, require your time. You may lose some relationships. You may grow tired sometimes. But the thing is this, is that God is going to be with you through it all. Through it all. And we really seen the hand of the enemy during that time and the antichrist spirit that was in the earth during that time. And maybe some of those things from back then kind of maybe seem like they settled during this year. But we've seen a lot of craziness this year pop up, right? A lot of this, um, you know, like the the whole uh, agenda to try to uh, normalize pedophilia and the issue of Balenciaga. And and if we think that was an accident, we, we must be mistaken because that was not an accident. That was not an accident. That was deliberate. It was so detailed and everything. There was a team behind it that was willing to put that out we can't say that that was ignorance it wasn't it was deliberate but that's the things that we're facing right now during this time and I believe this message is for to stir something up in us as believers is are we willing to count the cost because there's some people in our lives some family members some friends that need the gospel The gospel is what gives, is the power into salvation. There's power in the gospel. There is transformative power in the gospel, but not many are willing to count the cost. Crowds follow Jesus. Crowds come on Sundays, but not everyone is a disciple. And Jesus is really clear on who disciples were in the Bible. So I wanna get a little bit into that today. And if you guessed it, the title of my message today is Count the Cost. Count the Cost of Bearing the Cross. Yes, I used to be a rapper, but, you know, I gave that up. <laughs> gave it up a little bit. <laughs> Count the cost. And this, um, this message really, I want to highlight one scripture, although I will be sharing some stories throughout the Bible to uh, address some points that I have. But this main scripture that I kind of want to focus on today is out of Luke. And it's uh, Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 28. And we could put that up on the screen, please. All right, we'll go over it here. And it says, Now great multitudes went with him. He turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his cross and come after me, he cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the costs, whether he has enough to finish it. Now, as I read this scripture, I got four kind of thoughts around this scripture. And I got this acronym. It's actually, the acronym is COST, C-O-S-T. And the first letter is commit, for commitment. The cost of commitment. What it like, looks like to be fully committed to Jesus. And I believe the first parts of that scripture really addresses this. Because here's the thing, it says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, we want to be clear about this, because... You probably sound think it's confusing when it says that. What am I do, supposed to hate my father, and my mother? I think my father and mother are here. I love you, mom. I love you, dad. I love you, Lori. She knows that I don't hate them. However, um, it, it, it in scripture, scripture interprets scripture, so sometimes some things may seem like a contradiction, but we got to clarify through other scriptures. First, uh, John. Uh, Chapter 4, verse 20 actually says this, and I'm going to read it so we can kind of clarify this this scripture. It says, how can someone say, I love God, but hate his brother? He's a liar. How can you not love your brother who is seen, but love God who is not seen? Commandment, he who loves God must love his brother. Now that sounds like a contradiction from what I first read. But really what that, that word hate means, it means to love less. In other words, Jesus is using this exaggerated expression of, hey, every relationship in your life can't rise above your relationship with me. First and foremost, you need to love me greater than any love you have for your father, mother, children, wife. It's me. I got to be on top as your first love, your most important love. How committed are you? to your relationship with Jesus. Do you love God at that type of level? How committed are you? I I was working at Costco uh, straight out of, right at the end of my high school year, I got into Costco. I worked at Costco for almost seven years. And I was actually there last week buying a turkey. It's a funny story. I go to the cash register, I see uh, a lady I used to work with and someone else I used to work with, and the lady says, hey, those are the turkeys they give us for free every year. And Costco would always bless us with the turkey every year. And I told the lady, uh, or the other guy says, hey, he doesn't work here anymore. And I tell the lady, yeah, I haven't worked here for nine years. (laughs) I haven't worked at Costco for nine years. And she was like, what? Yeah, you know, actually been a cop for uh, nine years. Um... But, anyways, I bring that story up to say I used to work with this older gentleman, and I was probably like 18 or 19 years old. Um, The guy was a believer, and um, he once told me something that kind of shocked me because I never heard anyone say this before. But he says, Man, I don't know how I can love God more than I love my children. I love my children more than I love God. And obviously at the time I didn't have children. I, I really didn't know what to tell him. Like what am I going to tell him at that time? You know, and, and I, that thought, always, it always stuck with me. You know, now that I have children, I understand. But I, I love God more than I love my children. I love my children with all my heart. I'm willing to do everything for them. But honestly, I love God more than anything in my life. I could honestly say that. And it really gets me to think about the story of Abraham. The story of Abraham, how God really tested him, right? We call him the father of faith. But God said, hey, you know that miracle son? The son you were believing for? Where you thought Sarah wasn't going to be able to have a baby? And then she got pregnant and Isaac came along? I want you to give him up for me. I want you to, to, to sacrifice him. And now, if anyone tells you they're going to sacrifice your kids, please call the cops Immediately. Call me, let me know, because no bueno. got to address that issue for sure. But here's the thing. It was never God's plan. Understand, it was never God's plan that Isaac would die. Because here's the thing. He told him to do it. Abraham was either going to do it or he wasn't going to do it. He was going to say, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not giving up my son. Isaac doesn't die. We've seen the hand of God and what played out when Abraham actually said, yes, I will do it. And he walks up Mount Moriah, right? We all know the story. Isaac's like, where's the sacrifice? Hey, son, God will provide. Don't worry, let's go. Let's keep walking. Let's keep pushing. And then he finally gets there. He ties him up. We know he got the knife. He's about to do it. And the angel of the Lord comes in and stops him. And then God provides, right, the ram in the thicket, brings him sacrifices. And God is, is really pleased by Abraham's faith. But really, it was the commitment he had. He was willing to commit to something that was so egregious, such, uh, uh, such a hard thing to do. And he was willing to say yes to God still even in that. The interesting thing is that that region is where Jerusalem came from. And Abraham was the father of faith. Think about it. God said, hey, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. And those nations will be blessed. And guess where the, the church really uh, started with the Holy Spirit fell? It was in Jerusalem that same area that same region he was a father of faith so that is my question for you today is how committed are you to jesus this is a constant commitment even if you haven't made that choice yet that's the first choice you make to come into relationship with him i don't care if you've been walking with jesus 5 10 20 30 40 50 years anybody that's been walking with jesus long, long enough that's been walking with them knows that it's a constant journey of committing It's a constant journey of saying yes to Jesus and the plans he has in store for your life. My next letter is O. Put it back up there. And that's for obey. For obey or obedience. The cost of obedience. What is obedience? It's submission to what is heard. You hear the word of the Lord and submit to it. When we obey God, we submit to his authority, to his word. In Luke chapter 14, we see after we talk about the the hating and all that, he says, and whoever does not bear his cross, bear his cross, which means lifts lifts up his cross. It's a choice. He said, whoever does not bear. So there are people who choose to bear it and there's people who don't choose to bear their cross. What did the cross signify? It was capital punishments what the Roman Empire used to, cruise, to, to kill people. The worst is, and, and Jesus is saying, hey, you got to bear your cross? What did that mean to them during that time? As they seen people uh, die on these things. And he's saying, hey, you got to pick that up. This is a life of dying to yourself. Dying to old mindsets. That's why he says, hey, even, you got to hate your own life. It means, that, it means that there's desires, ungodly desires in us that have to die, that we can't live by, old mindsets, things that are meant to entrap us and keep us bound. Jesus said, hey, we, I got freedom from that. Hear my word. My word will bring freedom to your life. It's my word that will light up your path, that is like a lamp unto your feet. It's my word that will guide you. Through every valley, through every mountaintop, its my word that will lead you, but the Bible says to, for us not to just be hearers of the word, we must be we must be doers of the word, not just hear but do and I love this story uh, uh, in Luke chapter five of Peter, where Jesus is at the Sea of Galilee, multitude of people there. He's speaking to him, and he sees two boats. He gets in one of the boats, which happens to be Peter's boat. And then he's talking to people. And then he tells Simon Peter, who's not yet following him, he says, hey, cast out your net. And we know the story. Peter says, well, you know, we've been fishing. There ain't nothing out there. Like how's a carpenter going to tell the fisherman what to do in this moment? But he didn't know who he was dealing with. He didn't know. So I love Peter's response, though. He says this. He says, Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, because you say so, I will let down the nets. Because you say so. Obedience. God, I'm willing to. It may not makes sense to me in this moment because I've been doing this and, and, and I'm coming up empty-handed, but your word, you're telling me right now to, to do it. So I'm going to obey. And what happens? Obedience brought abundance to your life. I'm here to tell you obedience will bring abundance to your life. <laughs> they caught so much fish they couldn't contain it. The nets were breaking. They had to bring another ship in to try to bring it and, and, and get some help there. I bet they never seen anything like that before. That's why Peter's response was so radical. He was like, man, I'm following you. You're going to make me a fisher of men. I may not know what that really means right now, but I'm going to follow you, Jesus, because I just seen something radical happen, a miracle happen. But it was through that obedience. The next letter is S. And that S is for sacrifice. Sacrifice is in your commitment and obedience despite the trials and tribulations that may come with it. The level of your sacrifice will determine the level of your influence in the kingdom. Jesus says, they who humble themselves shall be lifted up. God will elevate you into levels of new influence, but only if you bring yourself down. He's not gonna use us if we're full of ourselves. Gotta resist the proud, but gives grace to the humble. We gotta be willing to get low. God, use me. Use me as you please. God, I'm available to you. God, I'm willing to sacrifice whatever it is, God, that you want from me. God, I'm willing to lay it down at your feet, Jesus. I love the story of the young rich ruler. And I kind of want to highlight Peter's response at the end of it. The young rich ruler comes to Jesus. He says, hey, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of of God, to inherit heaven? How do I get to heaven? And he says, hey, have you, you know, obeyed these commands? Um, And he said, yes, I've, I've done it since my youth. And Jesus calls him out and says, hey, you lack one thing. I know you're rich and I know you got a lot of possessions. Give it up. Give it up. Let it go. Because I know where your treasure is. Your heart's there. Are you willing to sacrifice and let this go to follow me? And all the disciples around him were so astonished by this. Because the dude walked away. Like they committed their lives to Jesus. And they seen him do some miraculous things. And here's this guy that just straight up just rejects the call. He straight up rejected, walked away. And this is what Peter Actually says, he says, Lord, we've given up everything to follow you. We've given up everything. What will we receive? And I love Jesus' response because he says, you will receive a hundredfold now in this time and in the age to come, eternal life. It's not just eternal life, it's a hundredfold now. God will bless you. He has an abundant life for you, but are you willing to sacrifice and let go of whatever is holding you back right now in this moment? Are you willing to sacrifice your time? Many aren't willing to sacrifice their money when it hurts. Are you willing to sacrifice that offense that you took, that bitterness that you took? Hurt and pain, addictions. Are you willing to lay that down at the altar of Jesus and say, God, I don't want to carry this anymore, God. I give this to you. I give it to you, God. Peter said, I've given you everything, Jesus. I've given you everything. God has a hundredfold for each and every one of you if you're willing to sacrifice for him. Despite anything that may come your way, God, I'm willing to keep following you. That's why he said, hey, bear your cross. Lift up your cross and follow me. Carry it. Bearing the cross, there, there's no, it's, it's just lifting it up. That's obedience. Carrying it is actually a sacrifice. That's where the sacrifice is. Luke chapter 14, that's what, that's what he's talking about. carry it. There's sacrifice there. The last letter is T, Trust. That's the acronym COST for those note takers who want an extra mansion in heaven. No, don't call me on that. That's not scripture. Give an extra for the note takers. <laughs> Trust is knowing your commitment, obedience, sacrifice is all tied in the purposes of God in our lives. There is a confidence in him and a security in him. Because of that, everything will work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. That last part of the scripture, and I'll read it. He says, For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? For which of you intending to build a tower? Does not sit down and count the cost. Hey, to build a tower is going to take resources, right? Take some money. Take some manpower. And once you have everything that you think you need to build that tower, there's some trust aspect in there. Because you got to trust in, hey, I got what I need to build this thing. And that's our life in Jesus is that he's already equipped us, but we got to put our trust in him That he who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete that work in us to the very end. The Bible says he's the author and the finisher of our faith. Are you willing to have that type of level of trust in Jesus? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he will direct your path. Direct your path. I I love the story of Peter on the boat with the other disciples. We have a song called Peter. After this story, they see a ghost where they think it's a ghost, but it's Jesus walking on the water. And all the other disciples get scared and fear. But Peter was the one that was willing to to say, hey, Jesus, if that's you, call me to you. And I want to highlight that level of trust. What kind of trust does that take to jump out of a boat and think you're going to walk on water? He must have had some trust in Jesus. He's seen him doing something supernatural and he's like, God, I'm really going to trust you and jump out of the boat into something supernatural that hasn't been seen. And we know that the winds and waves and, and, and you know, he said, oh, of little faith, we know all that. But look at the trust he had, the willingness to just jump out. What is it in your life right now that God is saying, hey, just trust me in this. Trust me in this area of your life. I'm calling you to build a business, but God, I don't know if I have enough money. I don't know if I have the resources or wisdom to do it. The Bible says if you want wisdom, just ask for it. God, I'm willing to step out into that area. It seems kind of scary, God, but I don't know. I'll take your hand, Jesus. Take me to wherever you want me to go, God. I trust in you, Jesus. I trust in you, Jesus. Count the cost of trust. It may not make sense to everybody, but if it, God is on it and God is in it, best believe it's gonna come to pass. This too shall pass. In August of this year, so I had been in a position at work, which is called an acting detective. So I was doing this for about a year and a half and It means that acting detective means that you're not officially that rank until you actually take the test and do the interviews and promote. But the test only comes around every two years. So I went into this position. I began to, you know, you you still get the pay. You still get the experience. But I had to prepare for the test because I was in this position, and I did. I studied for months, stood after work for two hours to continue to study every week. And I felt well prepared for it. So when I came to do that test, I I missed it by three points. And I was a little bummed by that, honestly. I was like, man, I put all this effort in, but I failed. Like, God, what's next? They're gonna kick me back to the streets. I'm gonna go back to shift work. It's gonna affect my family. It's gonna affect ministry. If I go back to the streets, God, but I trust you. I know I failed, God, but I know you got a plan for me, God. And I'm gonna see it all unfold, I know I will. I know I will. So right after I failed that test, sure enough, my boss is like, hey, we got to make a decision on what's going to happen next. You know, start looking for a squad to choose, to go back to the streets. And I was like, no, that's, I don't think that's it. That's not what God has for me. And then getting an opportunity to, to go into the juvenile service team, which is still in my same area. It's the closest place to work in, in my agency that's closest to my house. It's very convenient, so flexible. And I went into a, uh, to the juvenile service team. I went in as an officer working with the school safety patrol, elementary kids. I only did that for a month, because God opened up a door for me to get back into investigations, is which where I really wanna be as a juvenile detective. And it's fitting, because obviously I'm surrounded by youth already. So, and it was awesome. I mean, it's an awesome position because it gives me so much flexibility. Um, and during that time, during this transition stage, we got a new captain. Our captain is the top level of our division. So we got lieutenants, we got ranks underneath that captain, and she happens to be a believer. And she did something I'd never seen in nine years, but she opened up prayer in our station And she said, hey, every Tuesday at 2.30, we're gonna meet in the detective room, and it's gonna be open to prayer for whoever wants to come in and pray. So for the last month, I've been praying with my captain, praying for my lieutenant, praying for anyone that is willing to say, God, have your way in my life. He literally opened up an opportunity to minister to my coworkers. Cause it's in our policy we're not really supposed to talk about religion and you could get in trouble and all that but my captain is usually say hey this is an open door it's welcome to anyone no one's forcing you you can come if you want and now i have i'm in a position at work to literally minister to my co-workers pray over them in a room tell me that's not god the hand of god on my life. even though i failed the test he put me in a position of influence for his kingdom Oh, that's not it. That's not it. That's good and that's great. But there's more. There's more because if I would have passed that test, I would have got shipped out somewhere else in the city. It would have been farther away from home. It might have not had the flexible schedule that I desired. So this gives me time to be here for the next two, at least two years or even beyond to be in a flexible position, but this is the key right here. This is the key, is that it gives me the flexibility to be on school campuses. You see, when we prayed two years ago, I said, we're gonna pray for a harvest. We would get on the campus and say, hey God, this is holy ground right here. This is holy ground, God. I'm believing for a harvest of teenagers. Sebastian came along. He was one, but he was willing, like you heard, to start a club on his campus. And God opened up that door. And like Pastor Mike was sharing, I went to Benita yesterday, Diego Beltran, one of our student leaders as well, helped open that door as well. Benita, I actually went to Benita for a semester, my freshman year. And I was actually bummed about this because I was going to a different school and I wanted to go to high school, start my high school with all my friends. I went to Benita, and for a couple weeks, I was literally a loner. On my lunch break, I would literally walk around campus until the bell rang, because I had no friends. I knew some people, but I was like, I don't wanna like hang on their coattail. Uh, I'll make friends eventually. I did eventually make friends, but I remember what that felt like to be alone. I remember what it felt like to be isolated. And that's literally what I talked about. God reminded me today. It's literally what I talked about yesterday. I told the kids, before you were here, I was praying for you. But if you remember the lockdowns, many kids were depressed and isolated. Removed from community, removed from friends. Suicidal during this time. I was alone like that. But I found Jesus. Jesus changed everything for me. Transformed my life. I preached a gospel message. I shared my testimony. And I began to see kids with tears running down their face. I began to see leaders with tears running down their face. Because the presence of God was literally in a public high school, public classroom. Where is this happening in America? It's happening here, in Chula Vista, in the South Bay. It's going to spread through San Diego, across state lines. Because there's some believers, there's some young people who are willing to count the cost. There's some believers who said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ send me send me i will go send me i will go count the cost count the cost we can remain standing i'm going to finish up here i spent so many years there was a time in my in my walking journey with jesus where you know i was going to different churches and i was doing music and I felt really used by God during that time. But then I went into this desert season, a desert season of saying, God, where are you? I was coming to church, I was serving on a team, but I felt like I was just checking the box. I wasn't leading anyone to Jesus. I felt like, God, I know there's more. I know there's more. When we stepped into this house, that's where we began to see God move in our lives in ways we had never seen before. Lori and I made a decision. We're saying yes to God. Whatever he has for us, we're moving together. We're saying yes to Jesus. We started in kids' church, now we're in youth ministry, but we began to say yes to God. That has not stopped. I'm here to challenge you, say yes to God. I don't know what's holding you back, but it's time to step out of that boat. It's time to count the cost. It's time to commit. It's time to obey. It's time to sacrifice. It's time to trust in Jesus trust in the plans he has in store for you I don't know where you're at but this message is for everyone it was at an altar where my life changed we're going to open up these altars because I had encounters at an altar that will forever forever transform my life seven years old God filled me with this spirit at an altar my life has never been the same It was at an altar where I had breakthroughs as a high schooler. We said, I know I'm living this way, God. I live in broken. My friends are broken. They're selling drugs. I'm in whole town rooms while they're sniffing cocaine. God, I'm leaving all this behind. I don't want this life. God, you're calling me. And I made that decision at 17 years old to commit my life to Jesus. has been the greatest decision of my life. There's some people in this place that have not made that decision today. I'm gonna give you an opportunity to respond today. And I just want you to shoot your hand up. I don't even want you to close your eyes. Just shoot your hands up in a bold way. If you wanna receive Jesus today, on the count of three, go in and shoot your hand up in the air. One, two, three. I want Jesus in my life. Shoot those hands up in the air. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for everyone that's risen their hand. Thank you. The worship team can come up. If you if you raise your hand in the air, I'm going to want you to come down and please find the, the O'Connor's. Oh, yeah. Jam. Sandra, um, find them after to get you plugged in, because what you need is community. But this is also for everyone here. We touched on four things, commitment, obedience, sacrifice, and trust. Maybe and, and one of these things in your life is lacking. Maybe you haven't fully committed. Maybe you haven't obeyed. God's been calling you into something Extraordinary, but you haven't listened. Or maybe you feel like you haven't sacrificed, like you know God's calling you to do more. You're not willing to lay that down. Or maybe there's some things in your life that you need to let go and sacrifice at the altar tonight. Or maybe you haven't trusted God tonight, tonight to respond. We're gonna have the ministry come up to the front, ministry team. And if that's you today and you want prayer, if you want prayer for any of these areas of your life, there's an opportunity to do so. So on the count of three, if that's you and you just want prayer for something that touched your heart in this message, come up, three, two, one, just come up to the front. Everybody come up to the front. If you want God to use you on a next level, And you say, hey, I wanna lay it down, God. I'm leaving nothing. Like Peter, I'm saying, I'm giving everything. Don't let any area of my life go untouched. Tonight's your night. Tonight's your night of breakthrough. Tonight's your night of healing. Come on, let's put our hands together for everyone that's bold enough to come up for prayer. God's about to move in their life tonight. I want everyone to just reach out their hands towards everyone in the front. If you're on the ministry team, lay hands on people that are up front. I'm gonna have the, the worship team go into a song and we're gonna pray. And I believe God's gonna move and things are gonna shift in your life. So go ahead and just pray right now. Everyone just begin to pray for everyone. Intercede on their behalf. Shall pouring in this place right now holy Spirit,
2: holy Spirit release it in this place